Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hi, everyone. I am here today with my friend and colleague, Alex Ray, to talk about something that I get we both get probably so many questions about an immensely important topic, not just in coaching, but just in if you're a, leading any kind of space anywhere, which is how to create a safe space in a non-performative way. If you're holding, yes. if you're teaching a group container, if you do anything, if you hold an event where people get together, how can you make sure that you are an actual safe space. Like I, people ask me all the time, how do I signal to people that I'm a safe space? And I'm always like, you can't signal that you're a safe space if you're not an actual safe space. And if you are an actual safe space, then people will feel that. And it's not necessarily like a strategy of like, how do I signal it? So I could not think of a better person to have this conversation with than Alex Ray, who is my, uh, a client of mine in Joyful Marketing, as well as an instructor inside Joyful Marketing, who teaches um, the uh, coaching calls that we hold monthly for you know, our members who are exclusively part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So welcome to the show, Alex. Please introduce yourself. We're dying to meet you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Simone. Hi, everyone. My name is Alex Ray. I am the Queer Plus Confidence Coach. And Simone covered it. Like what I do is I help LGBTQIA plus people stand up for themselves, have their own back and enjoy being their authentic self. And this conversation on creating real safe spaces and doing it in a non-performative way is something I've been really passionate about lately in particular, as I've been kind of coming out of the, out of the closet with being honest about negative experiences I've had within the coaching community where I felt like I was being performed inclusion to, and even being part of the performative in nature, almost like, hi, you, you can be our token queer person. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to talk about that. We don't have to like, you know, name any names, but just because this behavior it's everywhere. Lots of people. Oh my God, it. everywhere. Let's just, let's just name some things that we see that we may have even done. Like, you know, if you're listening, yeah. you be like, oh my God, I might've done that. And so the intention isn't to point fingers and say, oh, that's this person's evil. It's not that it's let's name the things that are not okay and examine why we're doing them so that we can change it. So tell us what are some things that we've seen? Let's, let's talk about it. Well, I think, you know, I'll, I'll just come out first with like, how have I been a problem? Um, <laughs> I know, oh my God, was it two years ago with George, when George Floyd was murdered? Oh my gosh. Was it? I think it must yeah. have been shit. Yeah. I was going to say last year, it's two years ago now. Anyway, I know I immediately wanted to like be helpful and realized in hindsight, like, oh, okay, great. This is my white savior complex. This is like me wanting to jump in and be helpful more like, yes, I wanted to help, but also there was an aspect of like shame and guilt for maybe my own negative contributions to the world and how I've been an unintentional racist. And, 
oh, well, I can like hurry up and fix it by running a little workshop or like being really helpful or like reaching out to my black friends. And that was not helpful. (laughs) And thankfully, like I did have some people that were bold enough around me to point out like the way you phrase this is like kind of offensive. Why did you choose this? And in my head, I w- thought I was being really helpful, but realized like there was a lot I had to learn and it was not my time to speak. It was my time to sit back and um, I'm more silent participant. I'm more just like holding space for holding space for others without putting, elevating myself, putting myself on the stage. So from my experience of having done the exact same thing, don't you, <laughs> <laughs> don't you think that that happens when we are what we're really after is solving our own emotional discomfort as opposed to trying to like learn more. Definitely. Like curiosity is something that's really important to me. Yeah. And it doesn't like, I'm not here when I'm doing that. I'm not curious about other people and how they're doing. Yeah. I'm like, so focused, like you said, on my emotional state and how can I solve this? At yeah. the same same time time period that you're describing, what I was going through, some one giant like like epiphany that I had was I thought I was exempt from the conversation because I'm not white, right? And I was like, I am not even white, and I like my parents are immigrants. I'm I'm on the you know I got the short end of the stick. This whole conversation doesn't apply to me, and I had completely completely skipped over examining my immense privilege and uh, collusion with white supremacy culture, and that was not fun to <laughs> learn about. And I've since then had gained a lot of awareness and started talking about how. First of all, like being not white doesn't mean you don't have privilege. And also being a light skinned Asian means that you have so, so, so much uh, privilege compared to so many others, because at least before COVID era, like nobody was afraid of light skinned Asians. Like nobody was threatened by light skinned Asians. Like we Mm -hmm. were not subject to systematic disenfranchisement and violence for the most part. There been things, but, you know, and it became very uncomfortable the moment I realized, wow, I benefit hugely from white supremacy. I am not off the hook at all. And how am I contributing to not just white supremacy, but like toxic capitalism, all these things that are related. And then it was all the answers were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like all this laughter is like nervous laughter. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we can't cry. So we're just laughing instead to fill the void. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is like, were there any other areas that stood out to you that, that you noticed like that sort of systems, like we're talking about besides two years ago, were there other areas where you're like, Oh, that's the part that makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that makes me really want to cry, I should say. Oh, no. That's sort of the whole George Floyd thing, kind of. We started recording this podcast because we're like, Alex and I have things to teach you. And now it's just like, let us tell you all the ways we fucked up. So yes. <laughs> um, that, but the whole George Floyd, it, it set off like a chain of inquiry, I should say, for my own self, where I was examining my own contribution to collaboration and collusion with oppressive, violent systems. 
And it wasn't like a one-time thing. It wasn't even like a one-month thing. It's been a continuous journey since. And what I have uncovered along the way is that my coaching containers weren't always a safe space. Mm. And in fact, that it, it could be a gaslighty place and a violent place and a place that undermines your self-trust and self-belief when I am supposedly offering them the exact opposite, when I'm selling them empowerment and self-belief. And sometimes my, my containers offer them the exact opposite. It's like, no, don't trust yourself. Trust me. No, your judgment is probably wrong. Right. Like, and also that's sort of one big sort of cluster of things. And another cluster of things was when I realized that as a business coach, I had been unwittingly holding up a very toxic, harmful hierarchy of value that's based on money and Mm. amounts of money. And like, even as I'm talking about this, I kind of want to cry because it's so insidious. And the reason that we don't often even realize it is because it is so in the air that we breathe. It is so in the water that we drink. It has seeped into our own souls, like into every cell. So we don't even know which part of this is internalized toxic fuckery and which part of it is like us and real. And I realized that I, have been telling people this whole time that you're the one who gets to determine what success means to you. You get to feel proud of yourself and celebrate yourself, whatever part of the journey you are. But also it is better if you make a lot of money and you should follow me and trust me because I make a lot of money (laughs) off of you. (laughs) That's that's the only, the thing I always felt so weird about, like from the other side when paying, like thinking, you know, I, I entered into the life coaching sphere kind of in, in 2017 and very much like I saw that bullshit right away. And I was like, wait a minute, but like we, all of us who you're telling like, oh, you can be rich and powerful if you just pay me money and I'll help you. And I'm like, yeah, but all of us are like kind of the support for your rich and powerful throne. why people are like it's a pyramid scheme right right but it's it's actually the same fucking pyramid scheme as religion yeah yep and i realized like oh crap because i grew up in a um very conservative fundamentalist christian we they called themselves a church but let's be honest it was a cult and you know was told how terrifying the world was how everyone out there was going to hell. We were like, we were the majority. I looked up this denomination recently and it's like one of the tiniest denominations in the country. I had no idea. I thought it was huge. Anyway, like everyone was going to hell, especially queer people, you know, although I only knew that the gays and lesbians existed. I had no idea there was anything else. Anyway, point of the story is I leaving that and deconstructing from that was so aware of like oh my god these people are just selling ideas you had a nose for culty shit (laughs) yeah and then i went right into a new one (laughs) because (laughs) when you spent your entire life from like infancy through adulthood like 
in that way of thinking, I really didn't trust myself to make decisions or to like know right from wrong. So I was always kind of looking for other people, whether it was like a romantic partner that could do that for me, right? Friends, family, like I always was kind of like outsourcing, looking for someone else to have all the answers for me. And so I ended up joining this like fitness and nutrition company that total cult mentality, really toxic environment to be in very gaslighty, very much like based on like self-doubt and then lots of blame. If we didn't sell enough product that month, like, oh my God, you didn't work hard enough. You didn't try. You didn't honestly try. You need to examine yourself and like figure out why you didn't try. Sounds a lot like some other worlds I've been in. (laughs) Exactly. And then I was like, oh, this is a cult after a couple of years. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. Right. And then (laughs) I found a life coaching call and joined that one. (laughs) Oh my God. I want to cry. Yeah. Another, and by call, I mean another environment where it was encouraged to believe other people had better answers for me about my life than I did. And that there is a there there where when you get there, it's going to be better than here. But we're going to tell you that here is just as good as there and also tell you that there is better than here so that you're really confused. Right. I mean, if we just pick you up and shake you enough, right? Oh my God. Give you a good concussion. You'll be so confused. You'll definitely buy my program. I wish that was a joke, but it's not. It's not. It's serious. And it was really horrible. And I didn't realize that I had done it again until last fall. And I was like, fuck. And I had so much embarrassment. Really? I was so embarrassed. Well, I started... At first, I didn't really want to talk with the with the, like the leader of the community. I didn't want to ask for a refund or anything. I didn't really want to address it because I was embarrassed that I didn't meet the goal in my business that I was supposedly going to hit. And mm-hmm. so, and I thought it was all my fault. Of course. And then I started talking with other people and finding out that like I wasn't the only one. But I had the impression that I was, I I was like, how, wait, there are others too. But I thought that everyone was doing well. I thought I was the only one out here kind of like struggling to make it as a life coach. I really had this impression that it was highly likely that if you are a life coach, you will become a millionaire and it (laughs) won't take that long. Well, I mean, we're laughing, but how can you be faulted for thinking that when that is literally aggressively marketed to you all of the time right like why did you why did you ever think that that's stupid because they told you that a million times and told you and told you and told you until you gave money right and (laughs) that money could have bought me a car like (laughs) but it bought someone else's car and therefore (laughs) therefore they had more evidence that it worked right Meanwhile, if you just gaslight people hard enough. You can yeah. make you can buy all of the cars. You can buy all the cars. And then if they actually instead of following what you directly told them but rather follow your example, oh my god, they can do the same thing. Right. We could all gaslight like that. We could all be successful. And I it was so funny because I was so conscious about like observing those two different things. I think by then I kind of developed that lens to be like, wait a minute, what am I actually 
seeing through example versus what am I hearing? And I was like, these messages aren't matching up. If I want to actually follow the success formula, I have to do things that feel really unethical to me. And I don't want to do that. And then I realized like, I just wanted something different Mm -hmm. and I wasn't willing to change in order to make that money. And I, I also started watching like these cult documentaries on Netflix <laughs> at the same time. And I'm like, Ooh, gross. It's the same thing everywhere. Ah! <laughs> yeah. What yeah. I, I want to share my story too, but I, Please. I want to know like what happened after, like, I want you to, cause right now you are so like, you just exude power and not like abusive power, but like genuine power that comes from knowing yourself deeply and loving yourself deeply and okay. not having defenses up and like, therefore being available to truly care for others and be mm. curious about others. And that just drips off of you. And what was it? I don't know if you can tell, even tell the story in a single podcast episode, but what was it like going from that moment of like, I don't want this. I'm out of whatever this is to. Yeah where you are today Hmm. (laughs) because i bet a lot of people are also sort of in this position of like i don't think this is like working for me like i i don't i don't think i agree with this this is not good for me it's not what i where my values values are and then thinking where the fuck do i go from here yeah i did have the benefit i was actively last year in a um i was getting certified uh, as a life coach through um, the community college back in Maryland, where I used to live. And the cool thing, they're, they're the only community college that's ICF accredited. Oh, that's fun. And yeah, they have this amazing program. The center of all of it was like self-trust and autonomy mm. and like finding your right way and curiosity. And I was like, oh my God, wait, this fully aligns with like mm-hmm. what how I feel like the world should operate oh and so that kind of helped me pull back pull out of the um other situation that i was in and have hope that like oh this actually is life coaching you can life coach in a way that doesn't include gaslighting doesn't include pretending like it can be very realistic and really trusting people to know what's best for them and i can know what's trust myself to know what's best for me. And what if I really led my programs like that, which I, I think for the most part I was doing, not totally. I like, to be honest, there were, I wanted to tell people what to do often. Cause then it could like stroke my ego and make me feel like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have the solution. But I think that program really helped me let go of it. And I started seeing way more success too in my clients. And I, I was, as I was doing that too, I'm like, wait a second. I think I have found something here. And do you mind saying what the program is? Cause I bet lots of people are like, wait, what is that program? I want to go take it. <laughs> yeah. It's at Anna Ann Arundel community college, AACC.edu. Mm-hmm. And just look up engagement and life or life and engagement coaching not engagement as in like getting married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but, <laughs> engaging life. Yes, engage. Yes, exactly. Love it. So, wait, wait hold on, hold on. Can I hear? Okay. <laughs> I was is like, there, I want to hear more? So, so you, you found this life coaching and then, and then you kind of like 
blew up your business in some ways. I mean, in many ways, actually. Right. How did you? I did. I started getting there? photos with unicorns and stuff. Yeah. You started getting naked. Um, I started and, getting naked. And, and, and mentally and, and physically. physically. <laughs> On any given day in Joyful Marketing, Alex has the most fabulous makeup and started <laughs> taking fabulous photos and you became yourself. You unleashed yeah. and you created programs around it that and yes. they're selling like hotcakes because newsflash when you unleash what is actually genuinely authentically you people want that shit people want to be around you not because they can be like you but because you remind them of what is possible when they also become more of themselves yeah and i will i want to like put a real honest uh footnote or whatever in there okay. it's not like i've just suddenly blown up and now i'm like have all the like I'm not making what I would love to be making, but what would you love? What to I'm be making? making? I'm, I'm just nosy as a business coach. <laughs> oh well, in five years, I I definitely want to hit a million dollars. Okay, love it. Because I do want to be on a consistent monthly basis, helping at least a hundred LGBTQ plus people. Love it. Yeah, between the various programs I run and doing speaking engagements, I also want to write a book there's like there's a few things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but no i've been also i've been having i think the most significant change in my business yet now i'm actually bringing in consistent income that does support me and does support my lifestyle it's not excessive but it's enough for me to get by and not be like super worried all the time and afford an assistant who works with me part-time i mean isn't that the dream like how many things you need and yes. some things that you don't need and to have some support that supports like that is the dream. And yes. I want to say that, like, I wish we could normalize, like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And anything more than that is just like top, you know, like that's like 0.0001% shit, which is like amazing if you have it, but also you're already killing it. If you got to where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> this year I want to hit a hundred thousand. That's the the financial goal this year. And I think I'll do it. If yeah. if things go according to plan with the okay. next like programs and stuff, I will. But yes, you are right. Like I am living, I'm already living the dream that like young kid me was like, holy shit, if if I could put you pictures of me online wearing almost nothing with a unicorn, like how am I? How am I even allowed to do that? I'm not going to get stoned for it. Like, no, you get money at you for it. Right? Exactly. What? Yeah. Sometimes so literal physical money. I just started dancing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I I can't even go down that many rabbit holes with you because it's. Gonna I know, be right? Hilarious. It's but, too okay, much. So, Rain it back. Rain it back. Okay. Rain rain it. My story. Yes. You know, talking about gaslighting, abuse, all that. So. I feel like I want, I should be honest about my experience as well, because my, my experience was different from yours and that, mm. you know, I didn't come from a culty background and it's not, I don't think at all that I engaged in anything in a culty way where I was outsourcing my authority, you know, trusting another more than myself. And I actually think that I would go into these situations with a ton of self-trust and a ton of self-authority and with the willingness to be like, you know, I'm going to take what's useful for me and whatever doesn't land with me, I'm just going to ignore it. 
And some of it I'm going to like adapt to make it make sense for my brain and whatever else I can just discard. And so I had a very core from the years of fucking therapy and coaching of the kind Mm -hmm. that's like truly taking care of your soul. I felt like I had healed enough. I'd come into myself enough to be able to go in with that kind of confidence, that kind of like self-authority. And because of that, I don't, I, and I never felt gaslit because I never gaslit myself. Like I never allowed myself to feel gaslit. So that's not, Mm. that's you were immediate. If someone was gaslighting you, it sounds like your reaction would have been like, Oh, you're just telling a story, but that's okay. People have tried to gaslight me. And my thought is, okay, I'm not going to take any of that on. That's your thought. It's fine. It's not, it's not your fault. Like you have your thoughts. I have my thoughts. That's fine. Uh, I don't know. There's many things. If somebody tried to deny my experience or contradict my experience in a way that would have felt very hurtful if I pr- took it very personally, I was always like, I, but I don't really care what your thought about it is because I care what my, my thought about it is, right? So yeah. I let that slide off of my back. And so I didn't feel gaslit because I didn't allow myself to feel gaslit. So here's the important part. The reason that any of these culty things are very attractive is because there is like a kernel of usefulness. There's like a kernel of truth, sometimes many kernels of usefulness and truth in them. And I felt like I was able to take that and just discard everything else and make it super useful for myself. Mm. And those were very powerful things that I learned that I took on while making it work in my way. And so I thought everybody else is like me, right? (laughs) Yep. We always think that. We always think that. And so I think that part of what I, when I look back now, and I'm not saying this in a way where I'm like, sort of, I'm like, you know, hanging my head in shame about it. Like, that's not the point to be like, oh, I was bad. That's not the point. But it's like, at the time I was doing harm by not being able or willing to see that not everyone was in the same place of having a relationship with themselves that I was in and that it was my job as a leader of a a space container or whatever to be curious about that and care about that. And I think there have been times when I failed at that because I was like, oh, but you're never going to be gaslit if you just don't allow yourself to be, or like within your power and responsibility to like, to have your back, have your own back, which is, it's not, not true, but it's also, do you know what I mean? Like there are ways you can use that in an unempathetic, uncurious way where it's just, I'm just shoving my agenda at them. Yeah. I think it's also like speaking to people where they're at. Right. Exactly. And that's a skill that coaches can cultivate or not. And I Mm. think that I see a lot of coach. I mean, when I, I'm not just, you know, directing this outward there have, I'm literally telling you there have been times when I, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. What did you just say? Oh, meeting people where they're, (laughs) where, where I did not meet people where they were. And I thought it was a choice that I was making, but really it's because I, wasn't skillful enough. I didn't have enough awareness about where they are and where I am and how to bridge the gap skillfully in a way that makes the client feel safe to take that step forward towards that transformation. And so if you're constantly, you know, there are times when you just have to like, let the gap be there and trust the client to, to jump. 
But if you're consistently having an experience where your clients are like confused and feeling unsafe and you're like, no, you just got to jump, then that's actually, unfortunately, a skill, a, a question of your skillfulness that like you are not able to meet them where they are. And that has everything to do with your efficacy as a coach. You should go work on that's not That's not your client's problem. That's your problem. Yeah. And I think speaking to like my audience, like queer people, y'all, there are a lot of people that are not ready, not skillful enough to speak with us in a way that's supportive and empowering and like, 100%. you know, because they don't have our experience. So like, if you feel like you're constantly jumping through hoops to make everyone else comfortable, then like some of those relationships or scenarios, containers, whatever, like you have the stamp of approval. You have our full encouragement to leave. <laughs> They're not supportive yes. for you. Yes. I did not question myself in this way until I kind of woke up to how much harm it was doing. And I mm. was willing to examine my role in it, role in it without shaming myself. And also when I observed how somebody like my husband operates, who's a very different personality than mine. And he, nothing that anyone else does ever gets under his skin. So his advice for anyone who is upset or hurt about something is like, grow up, don't let it get under your skin. And that works for him. And it does not fucking work for me. And to be told that over and over is extremely ghastly because not everyone is in the same place. And that is not a problem. Right. Yeah, it's okay. And yeah. it's one thing if you're just like friends or spouses, that power dynamic is very different from when you're a client and you have a coach and there's that power differential. And the coach has been entrusted with the growth and care of this person when it comes to this specific subject area or whatever. And then you have a responsibility to not do what my husband sometimes does. <laughs> right. Just, what just to need thicker skin just who cares don't worry about it it's like yeah that doesn't work for everybody <laughs> wait can we talk about bdsm and doms and subs here for a second yes oh my god please <laughs> i okay can i just tell you so BDSM. Yes. so in my in my mastermind my non-mastermind whatever it is um the mystery room we have in, in our slack channel we have different channels and there are two channels where you can ask for coaching and one is called bdsm coaching and the other is called vanilla coaching <laughs> oh my god i love that <laughs> and then, so if you want it sometimes you want it bdsm <laughs> style sometimes you want someone to come at you with a paddle and give you a little spanking and yes. you go ask for coaching when you consent to that in that channel and when you're like no i just need it like nice please then you go to vanilla and even in the bdsm channel we you can say the safe word and we'll stop coaching you if you're like you know what yes. i need to process this so i just have to tell yeah. you this because i like i thought it was really funny oh my god i'm obsessed with that. i think i might like borrow that for you my... can totally steal it anyone <laughs> of you who's listening is like i want to do that you can you can you can borrow it i love that so i call myself a business dominatrix love it because <laughs> because you know, with power, with power play, it's, it's a role play. And I love that. It's such an, a good example of what life actually is. Mm -hmm. A dom needs a sub in order to perform 
like their dominant role. Yeah. Without a sub, they're nothing. So they both need each other just as much as the other one. They're not, it's not that one has power and the other one does not have power. It's that they're both playing different sides of the same coin. Like, like you need to exercise your power to play the sub. You do. Yeah. 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 So I don't even remember why, why I brought this up just because we're talking about, Oh, with coaching, right. With coaches, like to really think about them in that way that like, Oh no, 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 no. Hold on. Though I might be taking on the role of sub here sometimes, or maybe even frequently, like it's a role we Mm. are playing. This is only with my, right. For my own pleasure and growth and evolution. Yeah. And I can call it quits when I want to. Yes. And also like, this is just as much mine as theirs. I'm totally allowed to be like, "Mm, I don't like this. And the other person cares just as much about your safety and whether you're enjoying it as they care about their own safety and enjoyment. So I think in a truly like consensual, healthy BDSM relationship, which I, I actually don't know that much about except theoretically, but (laughs) I've never, I've never done this in my life. So here's something TMI about my sex life. Um, (laughs) I am, what I have learned is that, you know, it's, it's, Everything is consent-based. Everything has to be yes. based on safety and consent, and it's for mutual pleasure. So if it stops yes. bringing you... So for the dom, it's very important that the sub is having fun and that they feel safe. And as soon right. as that becomes threatened, both are like equally invested in fixing that shit. Right. So like for anyone listening, if you're in the, the position of being a client... And you're consistently not feeling safe and you're like, okay, well the same, like the same thing, like restraint, tying someone up with ropes <laughs> can either be sexual assault or like a really fun time yes. depending on consent here. So if, <laughs> if you're constantly feeling like you are being tied up and then blamed for things like, okay, well then doesn't sound like that coach maybe has, is behaving in a, in a consensual way with you. Have you like spoken up? Like what, what can you do? And ultimately like, it's okay to be like, Oh, you know what? This feels abusive to me. I don't really know your intentions. Maybe they're perfectly fine, but I'm feeling abused. So this isn't really helping me grow. That those words exactly. You can write them down (laughs) if you need to (laughs) and say them, you know, I, I understand that it can be hard, but like, it starts with you exercising the power to say, no, this does not feel safe. And like, I have told clients, you know, where I was sure there was consent, like, listen, you're full of shit. You're totally not taking responsibility for yourself, grow up or make a decision to stop doing this anymore. And and they were like, Oh yes, Simone, give me more. This is what I need to hear. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I love doing that. And when you like, you know, some people have a style of coaching where that's their thing. And I like to go there sometimes and it's double, triple, it's like infinite, infinity important. If that's what you do to make sure, make sure that it is, you are, your client is truly in it with you. They are, they want it. They're getting pleasure out of it. Right. And, and that they know that they're exercising their power. So it's not about like, oh, you always have to be like soft and whatever. It's not about that. You can be, you can take a paddle and you can, you know, give out right. some spankings. But how much care 
are you putting into being curious about where the other person is and how safe they're feeling? And if you are not putting as much care into that, you might just be abusing as opposed to engaging in fun BDSM coaching goodness. And I'm just saying this with like full awareness that I have been abusive in the past because I was not skillful enough. I was not curious enough. And I feel a lot of remorse about it. Same here. So now that Alex and I just confessed all our sins on this podcast (laughs) and we're still here and our businesses are probably not going to like burn down as a result of this conversation. Probably not. I, if it does, you'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) I just want this to be an opportunity to remind everybody that I just want to normalize like being accountable and mm-hmm. I want to normalize just talking about places where we messed up. And I think the reason that so much of the industry is like slow to change is because we've made it not okay to talk about yeah. these things, to admit to these things, to examine the places where it's like, you know, I really messed up here. I regret this. I wish, and I'm willing to take responsibility for it. When you make that not okay, then there's no reason, there's no incentive for anybody to do this like self-examination work. So I want to normalize this. So if you want to engage in the same process of exploring your own, you know, roles in this and you want to make some changes, it's okay. I'm not saying you have to like talk about it all over the place, but one, you don't have to have shame about it. Exercising your responsibility and being accountable is not the same thing at all as being ashamed about something. Um, In fact, it's the opposite. Like if you have shame in the sense that where you're like thinking, oh no, like I'm a bad person, I'm fucked up, I'm unworthy. That is exactly the thing that prevents you from being curious, right? About how to do differently. I think, Alex, I think it's worth talking about how if you're alive on planet Earth in 2022, you probably most likely grew up with precious few examples of healthy power dynamics, healthy leadership that was accountable and caring and consent based. Like I could say probably zero. Like I saw zero, close to zero examples, and, and yeah. especially zero when it comes to people with lots of power. So if you didn't get something perfectly because you literally, it was never taught to you, it was never modeled to you, and it was never like discussed in any way that you've ever seen anywhere in your life, is it, are you going to like sit there and shame yourself that you didn't get it right? You know, like, yeah. no, the more I think about how it's structural and cultural, right? The more I want to take responsibility and be accountable, but like the less I'm willing to turn it as like a weapon against myself to talk, to feel unworthy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If we don't see it modeled, it's very hard to just kind of come up with it. Although I think there's one tool to do that is it's to be aware of, I always have these thoughts. I think, again, like we said, we assume that other people have to do the same thing. So yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, <laughs> but I know when I've been in scenarios where there was um, like a power dynamic, there have been things that I was like, Oh my God, I wish that this was yeah. there. I would feel more safe. Yeah. And then, but then when I went to go and implement, like when, as I've run my business and everything, I wanted to do it the way that I was seeing other people do it. Not the way that as a customer, I had wished that things mm-hmm. were done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of which, can we segue into talking about 
the kind of standards and policies that we have created for our yes. containers to make those ideas of accountability and safety uh, explicit, right? To build it into how we how people experience their containers. Because I was just t- talking earlier, we hit the record button about how we came up with like incredibly similar policies for our advanced mastermind containers without mm-hmm. ever talking to each other. We like independently made these decisions that were incredibly similar. And I, yeah. you know, I would love to talk about that. Hey there, you listened to part one of this conversation. Stay tuned for part two being released on this podcast tomorrow. Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time.